Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, today I have a special guest with me. It's Matthew Ilsley. Uh, he's from East Midlands in the United Kingdom, and he's here to talk about the Calvine UFO incident uh, from the early 1990s. And uh, he helped uh, Dr. David Clark investigate this a couple of years ago, and they came up with that famous picture. A lot of people believe it's the most famous UFO picture of all time. Uh, and just to point out the, uh, that Matthew is, uh, he's, He's a software, he works for a software development company. He has a degree in American history and literature. Uh, he didn't become involved, uh, he didn't become interested in UAP until uh, just 2021 when he got involved with the investigation in the, into the Calvine UFO uh, incident, along with uh, Dr. David Clark of Sheffield Hallam University. Uh, and they were successful in finding the uh, a single first generation print of the Calvine UFO photo in 2022. Uh, but the hunt also continues, as Matthew states, for the photographer of that picture and any remaining images that he might have. So, uh, Matthew, I really appreciate uh, jo joining me today to talk about this. So what happened in 2021 that got you involved in this? You, and before that, I just you, 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 you never had an interest in this before, previous. No, no uh, thank you very much for having me on, Jim. Um, yeah, uh, Basically, it all stemmed for me personally. <clears throat> it all stemmed from uh, an article in a tabloid newspaper that popped up in my Twitter feed, and it uh, remarked that uh, the uh, Ministry of Defence was going to withhold these photographs allegedly until 2076, and uh, these were the best UFO photographs ever taken, and the uh, witness's name was being withheld as well, and. It just struck me as in, like, well, what? That's the full package, really. You know, if, if uh, really, if this is true, what what's being said, um, there really must be something to it. I mean, why else would you need to conceal something for that long? Um, and as it turned out, it, it wasn't <laughs> wholly true, um, as so many of these things turn out to be. Um, but what it did do, as uh, so, well, the the witness's name was being withheld. That was a fact. Um, until 2076, but that is a generic sort of decision. The uh, National Archives withholds all personal information in the UFO files um, uh, for a hundred years, uh, basically. It's called the hundred year rule. Um, anybody is, uh, in, who's a, deemed to be an adult in any of these documents uh, is deemed to be 16 years old if the age is not known. And then the information is withheld for a further 84 years from that point. Um, the images themselves were missing. They had once been in the hands of the RAF and its photo analysts, um, but they were no longer on the file. Uh, the negatives were no longer with the MOD. And uh, in in doing so, in, in sort of uh, looking into this um, and trying to see how much truth there was in this tabloid article, I came across Dr. David Clark and began to message him. And he really was the one who sort of put me straight uh, on this. And just by happenstance, uh, he and I just had a back and forth over email and then telephone. And we just began to say, well, to ourselves, you know, is it worth looking into this? What what more could we find? Could we get this guy's name? Could we find an image and, and so on and so forth? And as I sort of mentioned, I, I stumbled into the rabbit hole of uh, ufology. <laughs> but through that, that was that was uh, how it all began for me. And from there, he and I and a, a few others, we began to um, investigate the Calvin UFO sighting. And lo and behold, as you said, um, eventually we found 
the uh, RAF press officer who'd been involved. And he, fortunately, um, for over 30 years, had kept the, a copy of the print, the first uh, print that had been sent to the RAF by the newspaper involved. And uh, it had been overlooked in, when the presumably whoever had been tidying this case up and had wanted all this uh, material to, to disappear. And he'd kept hold of it, kept it in a, a big a sort of encyclopedia of uh, the world's military aircraft. And uh, when we came knocking, he um, eventually, after after a number of months of umming uh, and ahhing, he uh, he gave it to us and donated it to the uh, Sheffield Hallam University archive. So we're now, right now, I have up on the screen the picture of this uh, that you guys found. This is the this yeah. is the actual image that you guys came up with, and there was something available before, but this was a more clear. This was an actual print of the of the real Absolutely. deal. Yes, uh, yeah the 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 documentation which um, emerged from the Ministry of Defence to the National Archives <clears throat> was really quite slim. Um, there was only a couple of pages. There's this reasonable amount of detail in terms of what the alleged backstory is. Um, there's, a, there's about a page of that handwritten. There's another page which indicates there was a subsequent investigation. And that's the one that talks about, you know, special taskings required. And there's uh, like, you know, this, these images are go, to go through the minimum number of hands and that kind of thing, which again in, indicates that it was taken seriously. Um, and then at the time, the only image that was, that was on the file <clears throat> was or appeared to be a really poor quality, cropped, closely cropped section of the image you can see on here, showing just the quote unquote diamond and the quote unquote harrier um, in, in monotone black and white, really. Um, it looked to be almost like a scan of a photocopy of a print. So really low resolution. You, you really couldn't make anything out from it. This is <clears throat> far more detailed and shows much more of the, the foreground uh, as well. Yes. Um, and uh, so the, the another thing that came came out of this when you like at first you still you didn't know who who the people there were two witnesses and what what what's the story with these witnesses what happened that day uh the the what when was the the, the exact date of this and, and what happened do you remember the uh that there were two people that, and you get, actually ended up getting a name of one of the people later on then yes uh, allegedly from the documentation uh in the national archives and anyone can get this um if you just go on the internet uh, to the UK's National Archives uh, website, you can go and find this these uh, pages. But according to that handwritten um, page, round about 8 to 9 p.m. on Saturday, the 4th of August, 1990, two men uh, out walking near the hamlet of Calvin um, in Scotland, uh, the nearest sort of reasonably large place is Pitlochry. Uh, if people are familiar with that, it's a popular tourist destination for walking. Uh, they were out walking. Um, this place really is like the middle of nowhere. So it's near the A9 road, which is a central highway snaking up uh, the centre of Scotland. But really, Calvin itself is a tiny place, uh, a handful of houses, um, half a dozen to a dozen. Um, so it, it's really out in the sticks. They went out there, parked up, uh, went walking and had a camera with them. And they took a series of photographs of that vehicle, the diamond-shaped vehicle, um, which was stationary 
and which was being uh, circled by uh, one or possibly two um, jets, military jets. Um, and that really is about the, the, the full story that you can, you can get. Um, well, the, didn't they, didn't they not say that wasn't there, like there's, there is reporting that, uh, that the thing, like the, according to the witnesses that the thing took off straight up in the sky at, at some point is that yeah, that's what sorry, the story yeah. says. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm just trying to think like what I've been told at various stages. Yeah. They, the witnesses <laughs> describe this, this as a real, you know, UFO, uh, unidentified flying objects. Um, it was remained stationary for a, a reasonable number of minutes and then took off straight up. Um, and uh, the, the various uh, versions of events have come out subsequently. Some people uh, claim who, who were involved over the time uh, claim that it hummed, emitted a, a hum, others that it was silent. Um, but everyone agrees really that it's an enigma. Um, it was then and it remains so today. So, yes, and then now there were, uh, at some point, there was uh, the name of this, uh, one of the people, the photographer himself uh, was yeah. was, uh, was Kevin Russell. And, yes. and there's been a search. Uh, is, how, how, how has that search uh, uh, progressed since that name? How did the name come up? How did you guys get the name? And then how has the search progressed to this point? That was, that was basically a 32-year journey defining <laughs> that name. The, uh, the MOD... Uh, at the time, um, put some real effort in uh, by, as far as we can work out, put some real effort into looking into these images. Uh, they took them seriously. They were sent to what um, at the time was known as JARIC, uh, the Joint Air Reconnaissance Intelligence Center. I think I'm right in saying that. Um, uh, but in terms of the names of the people involved, uh, they were both blacked out in the documents, but one of the people his job title wasn't and it said you know RAF press spokesman and there was likely only one of those <laughs> at the time in 1990 so David went to the um, civil service yearbook which is um, I presume there must be something similar for federal um, positions in the states um, and this lists uh, government employees senior ones and uh, they keep copies of it and for the 1991 um, it transpired that the RAF press spokesman for Scotland and Northern Ireland was Craig Lindsay. So we got that name in that way. And from there, I went hunting um, online and on Facebook, uh, there was a picture of Craig Lindsay was a relatively common name, so we couldn't do it that way. But on Facebook, there was a picture of a um, uh, sort of a graying haired man um, with glasses sat in the cockpit of a jet. And I thought, well, that's, that's got to be our man. Um, I sent that information to David. David made contact with him. And uh, at first, he um, he was, a, you know, he didn't really spill the beans immediately. It wasn't sort of a hallelujah moment. Um, but he did say that, uh, yes, he had been involved. Yes, he had spoken to the witnesses. Um, he know he hadn't um, sort of remembered what they're details were or anything at that time he had never met them he had at one stage kept his notebooks in which he would have written down these information this information um but he said he destroyed them a few years earlier unfortunately because he just mm. thought you know who would want to ever see the notebooks of a, a retired RAF press spokesman 
um, <laughs> that was a real shame. However, what he eventually did uh, sort of uh, admit, well, not admit to, but uh, acknowledge was that he thought he'd kept a copy of the print. And lo and behold, over the course of several months, um, various sort of back and forth, uh, David eventually went with a YouTuber who's been uh, part of the team, uh, Vinnie Adams, and uh, they went to Scotland and they met with Craig and uh, I believe they met uh, him at the um, house of another guy who's been involved, Giles Stevens, who lives locally, who lives in the next village to Calvin. And um, Craig handed over the, the print, um, perfect condition, been kept flat, been kept temperature controlled, as it were, you know, just there. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, that's the image you've shown. And on the back of that, in red ink, uh, someone, presumably at the Daily Record, the newspaper that the photographer had sent the negatives to, had written um, the name of the copyright holder, which was Kevin Russell. Yeah, and here's a picture. I'm going to have a, I have a picture here that uh, of Kevin, and uh, I'll share it here so people could see what he looks like. Uh, this is the person that uh, if we had him to talk to, we might be able to learn a little bit more yeah. uh, about what this is all about. <laughs> well, this, uh, honestly, the, the, the more <laughs> this, is, this case, it really does just keep going. Um, we got this picture. Um, we Giles uh, Stevens went and looked up because at first we were, you know, we were totally unsure. Kevin Russell, we, we went and um, well, as soon as we got the name, we went straight on the Internet. Um, and we, you know, at first we were thrilled because, oh, fantastic, we've at last got the name. And then, um, on the other hand, we were sort of thinking to ourselves, Kevin Russell's must be a common name. Russell, in in and of itself, is a common name. So we yeah. were a little bit deflated by that, but nonetheless, we went and looked, and we thought we we found Kevin Russell's all over the place, and <laughs> we convinced ourselves at various <laughs> stages, we've got the guy. It must be this guy. Especially at the start, with we found a guy who was Scottish, liked hill walking. Uh, was online and stuff like that. It was like, this is our man. And then, no, it didn't. He turned out to be about 20 years too young. Um, but yeah, we, we went and looked. Um, and eventually, uh, Giles Stevens went to the um, electoral registers. And we found the one for 1990 in Pitlockery. And at the Pitlockery Hydro Hotel, uh, there was a list of the staff who lived in, uh, quote unquote, lived in, and amongst them was Kevin Russell. And that that sort of <laughs> telling you that in a couple of sentences really shrinks down weeks and weeks and weeks and months of, of effort. We, we, we'd been uh, told various hotels, uh, we'd been hunting around all over the place, uh, dead ends, uh, no number, any number of dead ends. And then we eventually found him there. And in finding him, we also found you know, a series of colleagues. And it was one of those colleagues um, who supplied this photograph. Um, it was a lady who had worked in the hotel alongside Kevin, remembered him and said, uh, she was speaking to me on Facebook again. I uh, might have some photos from that time, she said. And I was like, well, that'd be absolutely outstanding if you've got any Kevin you could share with us. And uh, she said yes, and she, she went away and she came back a few days later and sent me this and it was like wow that's outstanding we've now got the name and we've got a, a picture however it's not as clear-cut as it seems because uh, she and another man who worked at the hotel who also remembered kevin uh, both agree with each other that that is kevin russell 
and he was from Falkirk. He uh, went worked at the Pilocri Hydro Hotel very briefly um, before returning to Falkirk to live with his mother. And he was a keen Falkirk Football Club fan. Unfortunately, two other people whose names were on the electoral register um, as living in at the hotel say they don't recognize that man. They knew Kevin Russell and that's not him. And they hmm. both say that Kevin Russell uh, lived in Glasgow with his mother and that he returned. He did work at the hotel very briefly and that he returned to Glasgow uh, to live with her. So we have these curious parallels whereby um, Falkirk and Glasgow in a, you know, in a, in a, a national sense in terms of Scotland really aren't that far apart. They're very, very close to one another. So it, you could imagine that in people's memories, one gets conflated with the other. Um, that that's, would be relatively easy to do. Um, he lived uh, alone with his mother. They all seem to agree on that. He, all, he worked at the hotel very briefly. His name was Kevin Russell. However, two of the four say that's him and two of the four say it's not him. <laughs> wow. So we, we were, you know, mystified, um, really. We did, just did not know what to say about that. So we went hunting in both locations and get, again came across like a series of uh, uh, Kevin Russells. There's a great website called Scotland's People. If anyone's inclined to go and look on there, you can see all the <laughs> Kevin Russells they've ever been. Um, and Kevin, the name Kevin itself is a, is a curious um, forename uh, in the sense that it was really popular for only a short period of time. Um, Russell obviously is, is ubiquitous. There's thousands and thousands of Russells. And I know that from personal experience because I contacted every every Russell in the uh, the county that Pitlockery's in with, with to no, no effect. And that was a curious thing um, initially because we just thought, well, how is it possible that there's every Russell that we could find in every phone book and on Facebook and on the internet, and none of these know none of them know this guy. And and then it transpired that he wasn't from Pitlockery, wasn't a local. He'd moved to the area for work. Um, and then moved back home again, wherever home might actually have, uh, have been, uh, one of these two cities. Um, but over time, I think we've narrowed it down to uh, one of seven men. Um, and I, I <laughs> that's a lot. That's still a lot. <laughs> it's still a lot. Of men. You really can't believe there's this many Kevin Russell talking about. Um, and but just to put it in, in perspective for you, the. Um, we found several men in uh, because like it was you know some people like when i was at school as well they would people might uh, having grown up um in the area where i went to school they might well as adults if someone said whereabouts are you from they would say you know uh, i'm from nottingham or the east midlands or, or something like that but they might not have been born there you know if they've been if they've moved there at the age of three or something like that it would be home to them but the the, the records the ones we're looking at would not indicate that and there'd be nothing to show that actually person X had, had been brought there by his parents um, from an early age. So all the Kevin Russells we could find in Falkirk didn't seem to fit the bill, even though we had these two witnesses both stating, you know, several times over and over. He was from Falkirk, is a Falkirk football fan, which is sort of an extra bit of detail that you kind of thought to yourself, well, that's Haley, how could you, how could you, you, you know, you sort of imagine that um, if it weren't true? Um, and then there are a number of men 
uh, in also in Glasgow though, uh, Kevin Russell, um, who actually in terms of their dates of birth fit the Kevin Russell we're looking for much more accurately, none of whom we've been able to contact um, or, or find. There's nobody matching that description on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, anything like that. There are a number of men whose addresses we have in Glasgow who David wrote to on headed university notepaper uh, very politely, um, just saying, could you uh, contact us, please? We found 10 names and addresses and only one man out of that 10, which we found equally sort of curious. So um, I just want to, I just want to point out that we're, the picture we're looking at is this the Kev is this the Kevin Russell? You think that this is the actual guy that we're that you really need? We all need this to talk to right here. The, the, this picture here, or, or is that still unclear? The lady, this well, you know, the the lady who provided this us with this photograph, and the another man from who both worked with Kevin Russell in 1990 in the Pitlockery Hydro Hotel. She and he both state that's Kevin Russell. That's the man they worked with. But and the, did they know the, that he was the one? They, 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 I guess they would not have known anything about whether he actually took this picture. Did he ever, is it known if he, did, did they say that he ever talked to them about this or at the time, or did he not, or did they not say him and his friend not say anything about it? Do you know anything about that? That's another curiosity. Obviously, we've got the other two people who also worked at the hotel who both say that's not the Kevin Russell they knew, which is uh, very <laughs> odd, unfortunate in itself. Um, but nobody ever said they saw the Kevin Russell they knew with a camera of any description um, or that anyone that this was like a big sort of event. Guess what I've seen, guys, yeah, which you kind of find is it would be really weird. You know, if if I had worked at a hotel and I'd been 18 or 19, as this man supposedly was at the time, I came back from a, a walk and I'd snapped uh, six pictures of something extraordinary like that. You know, I'd be talking to everyone about it. <laughs> right. um, you, I just think you most people would. <laughs> and they, you know, yeah. you could hardly keep it to yourself because you, at the time, you, saw, isn't, you know, it's not a it's not a secret. Oh, I saw a fighter jet, you know, uh, escorting or circling or whatever, intercepting this hovering silent or humming diamond which took off vertically. You know, that's an amazing story to, to tell. Um, but we, nobody has ever come forward to say uh, anything like that. A, that that is apart from one man who contacted us through facebook who alleged that uh kevin russell was unknown to him but two chefs were known to him who had worked in a, another hotel in pitlocker at the time and they were the two men who had been out walking and they are the ones who had taken the photographs and they had told people at the hotel where they worked about the event and they had uh, one dark windswept night being essentially accosted by um, defense intelligence officials and threatened to the point of silence. Um, wow. They've been intimidated and this gentleman, we, he, he, he came and told David this, um, he said, um, the two men, he couldn't really remember them because another another unfortunate aspect of this case is that we're dealing with uh, people who worked in hotels and hotel kitchens and stuff like that. And by its nature, for, for many people who do it, it's transitory work. They do it at one hotel for one season, another hotel hundreds yeah. of miles away for another season. Uh, they might stop doing it 
after a couple of seasons and sort of vanish. Um, and but this man came came to David um, and just laid out this alternative story, whereby <laughs> it was um, James and Ewan. He couldn't remember the surnames. Um, one of the men he he said he knew had uh, died subsequently, which would explain a lot of in terms of uh, failure to contact him. And the other man had returned to his home soon after um, getting this sort of roasting from uh, these spooks. And um, his home was on the Western Islands off, off the coast of Scotland. Um, we have never name, the names weren't Kevin Russell, none of these guys? No, that he was... no James wow. and Ewan. Um, James had died. He'd been particularly badly affected by his encounter with military intelligence, apparently. He'd um, succumbed to um, drink and, and things like that, and that had um, taken him into a, an unfortunate spiral, and he'd, he'd lost his job, and um, a few years later after that, he, he died. Um, and Ewan had gone off to the, gone home, um, having, you know, had enough. He's like, I'm not I'm taking this anymore. And, um, yeah, vanished off the west coast of Scotland, according to this other witness. Now we <laughs> we we now have these competing theories, these competing um, narratives, and it's and it's, and, and it's I, I guess I want to point out the importance of of getting this person of fire uh, if yeah. if you if you were to identify the photographer, whether it's the the picture, the gentleman in the picture that we just had up on the screen, whose name is uh, Kevin Russell. Or is it if it's a number one of these other Kevin Russells, perhaps? Yeah. Or if it's one of these other two guys whose names weren't Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> if it's one of these, so somebody out there in this world took that picture, yeah. and if we were able to find that person, what would that? We, we would hear it from the horse's mouth. I guess that's the important thing that we'd be talking about here. We would actually hear from the horse's mouth what happened on that day in 1990. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We 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 would love to hear from uh, the Kevin Russell or the Ewan, whoever, whatever his surname might be. Um, we have, th that was really, again, you know, uh, the more we've learned, the more mysterious it gets. We we got that photograph and the name and the story and all the rest of it in a Scottish national newspaper, the Daily Record, again. Um, the, the chief journalist um, was really kind to us. Um, he, he put it all out for us. And he also stated uh, to us that in his uh, long experience of being a journalist, he had never known a case in which a story had uh, shown a person's photograph and name so prominently and asked for uh, contacts and information and received nothing. Not one person came forward, despite this being essentially sort of, it was on the front page, it was a little banner uh, headline on the front page and of this, the main story was a double page spread inside Scottish national newspaper really well read and not one person ever contacted that newspaper to say I went to school with Kevin I went to college with Kevin I went to catering college I socialized with him I worked with him before or after this nothing 
Yeah, um, you would think that somebody somewhere in the world yeah. would have saw. I mean, this picture has been all over the place yeah. by this point. Yeah. It's all over the. It's international. So it I mean, is. you think somebody would step forward and say, "Oh, I know that guy. I remember Kevin Russell or some family member or something." So if somebody, yeah. we could at least get that. I mean, I guess it's important if we could just find out if we could just locate this guy, this one yeah. guy, just to either find out if he was the one who took the picture or not, and then you can move on with the rest of an investigation. Maybe determine the the, the real person if it's not this guy. Yeah, one way yeah. or the other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we just have been unable to do it. We we like we say we don't. Is that Kevin Russell? Is that the right Kevin Russell? Is it not Kevin Russell? And it's just um, a misremembrance by these two people. Um, we just don't know. But it seems just it almost seems impossible. Like you know, for example, if if you or I were featured so prominently. Um, and the newspaper said, we'd love to talk to Jim Quirk or, or Matthew Ilsley. And I'm convinced that people I went to school with or went to university with or worked with would, one of them at least, would contact the newspaper and just say, I, I, I don't know, might not know where he is now, but I, I did go to school with Matt. And these were uh, his uh, the other people we went to school with. They might know, you know, that kind of thing. You'd pull on a thread and you would get m more people as a result, like we did with the um, electoral registers. Um, uh, but nothing, absolutely complete silence. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, it'd be. It's. I find that I would find it hard to believe that. You know, I think. I mean, there's, I'm sure there are some people in this world who have nobody. They have no family. They don't have any friends. I mean, for whatever reason, and and maybe somebody wouldn't be able to recognize somebody. But I, I even find that that's hard to believe. I just there has to be some interaction. There has to be somebody out there who knows the, that picture, who knows the person in that picture. Yeah. And you, you haven't had that yet. And it's been out, what, how long has that picture been running uh, over about a year? Is yeah, over a year. Over a year. Yeah, yeah the, the, the only thing we know about Kevin Russell uh, is that he was Scottish. He worked at the Pitlockery Hydro Hotel for, uh, or he's on the electoral register um, for, uh, he's on two, for two years, 90 and 91, which means that he registered late 89, late 90. It's about, I think it's October that registration takes place um and these people worked with him and that's it we don't know where he came from we don't know where he went to and so we know we know just this sliver of this man's life and at some point during that time as well he seemed to be involved in taking quote unquote the world's most famous ufo photographs um and that would be i mean i guess the, i mean what the report on the on the on the flight uh, pat characteristics of this thing, the, the the operational aspects of it. I mean, all we have is the report that was wasn't there something in the min, uh, Ministry of Defense files that that described this, and that's all we really know. But yeah, uh, we, but we, we, it would be better to hear it right from this person yes. who actually took the picture and the and the other person that was with him. Those two, if you could find both of them, that'd be even be better, of course. Yes. you don't know the name of the second person though. We don't have no. Sadly, name not. Him. He is listed even more curiously as one unidentified other. Um, wow. so that's what his name is given as in the uh, document yeah the uh in the document it's it's you know it hovers um it's circled by this plane it uh, flies off vertically um craig lindsay uh, reported that he had uh, telephoned the hotel at the time to because because basically to, to cut a long story short craig lindsay is the rf press spokesman he receives this um package one day and it was couriered to him um, by rail and motorbike 
um, it was very unusual because ordinarily, you know, people would just put things in the standard mail. Yeah. Um, but they, this was really fast. They wanted a comment uh, and they'd phoned him up and, and said, um, we've had this UFO sighting. And he was just, you know, this was a long line of, um, it's in the um, Bonnie Bridge Triangle area of Scotland, which is famous for um, UFO sightings. So he just kind of thought, oh, well, this is just going to be another furry light in the sky. And the guy on the phone from the uh, Daily Record said, no, no, this one's a bit special. And he said, well, I, I can't really can't comment until I've seen it. And they're like, well, we'll get it over to you then. So then, you know, quick as a flash, uh, they couriered this one image to him. And they said this was the best of the six. And he took one look and said, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's a bit out of the ordinary, you know, and it's not something you see every day. And uh, he, he apparently, according to him, he went and showed it uh, around the office. And people, some people were just, oh, yeah, you, you can't be taken in by this nonsense. You know, it's it, whatever it looks like, it's not. So just do away with it. Um, but he nonetheless, it was his responsibility. So he typed up uh, the, all the information he had. And that document is nowhere to be found. And uh, because it was 1990, he faxed it uh, to London, MOD main building in London. Um, and his office didn't have a fax. It was a fax room uh, solely for this machine. He had to walk down the corridor to it. And this was one of the best bits that I, I, I like about this, the story. He said um, before he could get back to his office, he faxed it and, and then began to walk down the uh, corridor. The phone was ringing. And when he got back, sat down, picked up the phone, it was the MOD in London saying, where did you get this? <laughs> and uh, that's that really sort of like really hit home, when, when, especially when Craig was telling us about it, because you kind of thought that sort of speaks volumes. Um, and he just said, you know, it's been sent in by uh, the Daily Record. They wanted a comment. And they're like, we want, we want the information. We want the details. Um, unfortunately for us, the uh, Daily Record was only too keen to provide the negatives they sent the negatives to the mod um so <laughs> something that you like people interested in ufology shouldn't uh, uh, you know sort of just never do that never send the negatives in and they uh, were never seen again according to the mod documents they were returned to the daily record um but according to the record they have no records they digitized their entire photographic archive um some years ago and they destroyed everything uh, that was a, like a physical print. And they said, if it's it's not in the digital archive, then it's it's nowhere. Um, but uh, again, an, an, another sort of thread to this case was a man called Stuart Little. And when all this sort of blew up, he came uh, out of nowhere and reported that he had, uh, I think he was freelancing at the time, or he was training, he was a trainee maybe at uh, the Daily Record. Uh, and he had seen all six images uh, pinned to a wall, and uh, he reported that the image we have had been duplicated using um, a strange relative, well, to what to us is a strange contraption, but some kind of almost like bellows-like gadget, whereby you could, uh, an analog means of duplicating photographs quickly. Yeah. And he said that what they, what they would do would be they would put the uh, photograph you were copying onto a plate face up, and then you would focus a lens above it. And he said, the reason that the, the image we have is ever so slightly out of focus is that somebody's just not turned the, the lens far enough um, and they, because they're in a rush and they've just made the print 
put it in the envelope, get it off to Craig Lindsay. They've been in, they've been in a rush to do it. He said that when he looked at these images, um, you could see like the, the seams and the rivets and stuff like that. And he said that was, it, it was man-made and um, it was a, an aerospace vehicle, uh, quite clearly, um, which was another interesting uh, observation, another interesting witness. So this, and that was from the, the, somebody at, at the newspaper that looked at this and saw all six images, uh, not just the one that we have now, but there was other images. And you, and I yeah. guess you was, I guess, uh, did he say that the, the, there was no jet in some pictures or was, was there, was it a different position or I, I'd like to know, like, what were that the other, what does the other images uh, have? That's exactly what he says. He said the, essentially the diamond is static. Um, the, in some images it's been pictured alone. In others, there's a single jet uh, in various positions. It's on the right-hand side, it's on the left-hand side, it's banking, it's straight. Um, in one particular image, there's two jets. Um, and that's, at the time, he sort of, you know, just as an observation, it's, oh, that's interesting. And nobody really gave it any thought because it was almost like um, a, a trash can wall type stuff. This is stuff that they pinned up um, that wasn't going to be used, hadn't been used, and was just a curiosity. So when push came to shove and they needed the space, presumably somebody just took them down and put them in a bin. Um, and that was so, so. And that is one story there that we hear uh, that you just told the the, the the clarity of the original picture. If you had the negatives, uh, the, the clarity would tell would would make would would make one think that this must be man made because I see rivets on there. I see this looks like it was manufactured by humankind. Yes. Yeah. Ex exactly. Like a man made vehicle, just like you know, you you when you look at. Um, even, you know, really advanced uh, aircraft like the B-2 bomber and, and stuff like that, you you can, you would, you, you know, I suppose if you'd seen that in 1930, you would like, think, wow, that is out of this world. But knowing what technology or, you know, imagining that you know what kind of technology uh, exists, you can look at it and you think, oh, well, there's, you know, you can see the panels where the wheels retract um, and you can see the, in, the, the outlet ports for the engines and, and stuff like that. Um, but he said on on and on this there, there were similar things that gave the impression that it was it was man-made. Um, but in terms of the the, the thing about the uh, Stuart Little case is that his um, remembrances match or tally with uh, those of a defense intelligence official, a retired one, who uh, David Clark, Dr. David Clark from Sheffield Hamm University, had interviewed um, about a completely separate matter. He just found this gentleman's name in the UFO uh, documents from the National Archives, the early ones, because they, um, when the National Archives released the first lot, um, they left the names in. So if you go to the early ones, you can see um, uh, civil servants, uh, police officers, military personnel, even children um, who've witnessed, allegedly, you know, allegedly witnessed UFOs, all their names are there in the clear, including their addresses and the telephone numbers and all the rest of it. After a certain date, all of that information is blacked out. But this man's name was in uh, in the clear. David found him on LinkedIn, contacted him, you know, said who he was, and just asked to uh, found out that this guy had, as part of his role, um, had been involved with investigating UFOs. He, he had been one of the, the people who'd done it for real. And he uh, got him on the phone, and uh, the guy said, you know, yeah, I'm happy to talk to a point, and then there's things I can't talk about still and that's no problem we understand and uh, he just relayed uh, uh, regale this tale of his life in um, the military and how he'd been uh, like a second career uh, within 
DI55, this, this organization. Um, and then David just, um, just said to him, you know, uh, he asked him about aliens, did he believe? And he said, no, I'd never seen anything. He said he'd seen crop circles and stuff like that sometimes. And he said they were fantastically well done, um, but he'd not ever seen anything that convinced him that uh, there was anything extraterrestrial. And then David simply said, well, what was the, the most interesting thing you did see? And the, the guy just, again, it's great to, to hear. Uh, the guy just said, um, well, there was this one thing in Scotland. <laughs> and, and then proceeds to just talk of, through the, the Calvin case. Yeah, I flew up to the Edinburgh airport and then I went out and I met these these two guys and we got the negatives and we spoke to them and we uh, they'd been out hunting or poaching deer, uh, according to this guy. Uh, no one else had mentioned that before. Um, and he said they, uh, the negative strips, which uh, anyone familiar with sort of analog photography will remember, uh, they'd had these images on them of exactly like Stuart Little described, you know, diamond and plane, diamond and two planes, diamond on its own. Uh, and then they'd, be, they'd been out and they'd got uh, bagged a deer. And that was uh, what was on the other <laughs> thing. And this, I mean, this, the Calvin is essentially surrounded by a 90,000 acre deer um, hunting estate. Um, you can go deer stalking if you, if you want to pay uh, the, I think it's several hundred pounds uh, to go and shoot a deer if you want to. Um, and so it's not unbelievable um, that that is what they were they were actually up there doing. Um, and they, he said, you know, he, David said, well, you know, what, what was this thing? And the, the guy was just like, well, you know, I can't really say. It was something very, very special. Um, said, you'll never find anything else uh, about it. Um, there was a big flap. Uh, at the time, big hoo-ha between the Americans and the British because uh, this image got past the Americans without uh, the full backstory. And when some of the people there saw it, they um, hit the roof because they imagined that the British, having had the stealth technology shared with them, had gone off and, on their own and secretly developed a vehicle. <laughs> they, they weren't aware that well, this thing was really American. And only through, you know, sort of... Uh, uh, higher level liaisons that people have been able to say actually you, you need to calm down because it's not really the british it's one of ours but you know we in it, i imagine they must have to try and uh, you know use euphemisms to to get around the fact that the you know this all of this information is compartmentalized and it's on a need to know basis and most of the people even very relatively high up people don't have that that necessity of, of knowledge um but yeah that's that then that that is why really i suppose his testimony um, he was so uh, as forthcoming as we really felt he could be. Um, that's why of the, the sort of the three options, the hoax, the aliens or the Black Project craft, we lean towards uh, the latter. Um, oh, we're looking at the picture right now. I have a close up here. And yeah. and you, yeah, if this was a clearer picture like we were talking earlier, we would probably you're saying that according to this other witness who actually saw them clearer, uh, from the newspaper that we would be seeing rivets and and, and whatnot on this uh, if if it had been the, uh, the clearer image uh, allegedly but again allegedly. yeah i mean we have to caveat that because this guy was uh you know a, a defense intelligence 55 these these are guys the real deal um investigating the russians you know uh, this this guy got a background in the military he really knew his stuff but you know you never know what he was being told um it was the stuff that he was told the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so for all we know 
you know, and, and even then, you suppose you could you could argue the toss and say, well, this is a black project aircraft derived from crash retrievals. Um, you know, and they'd, they'd leave that piece of information out for obvious reasons if, right. if that were true. Um, because it does really does look nothing like anything that anyone's ever acknowledged. Um, and despite the fact that it was photographed in 1990, it looks like nothing since, truth no. be told. There are UAVs that are chevron shaped and that kind of thing, but it's quite clearly a diamond, nothing a diamond a rhomboidal um, hovers and all the rest of it and takes off vertically like that kind of thing it, it really defies explanation but one of the one of the additional pieces of information that the di-55 witness offered um was that these things had come out of macrihanish this um ultra secret base um allegedly maybe housed nuclear weapons definitely had navy seals there was run by the americans albeit it was uh, the u.s navy albeit it was, you know, on the west coast of Scotland. And they had had these vehicles and they had obviously been developed um, apparently to infiltrate the Soviet Union. It was still the Cold War was ongoing at the time, coming, you know, right near the end. Um, and he said that vehicles similar to this one had overflown the low countries, Netherlands, Belgium, that kind of thing, uh, in testing. And that they had lasers or something on the bottom sounds very much like lidar if people are familiar with lidar this ability is like map uh, laser mapping three-dimensional laser mapping he said that um in 1990 uh the these things had been sort of around that period these things have been sent over the continent um to be tested and that's where the belgian ufo wave um, mm. comes from if people are familiar with that you can go and look yes. it's really interesting and there are, a, the, in most instances there, the witnesses, hundreds and hundreds of people. And you, you sort of think to yourself, like, how can so many people realistically be hallucinating simultaneously? No. And it just doesn't seem credible, that, that claim. Um, they reported seeing these bizarre black hovering silent triangles. However, a, a couple of witnesses, one in particular, reported a rhomboidal uh, diamond-shaped uh, vehicle doing the same kind of thing and so again that there's just these circumstantial evidence really i suppose that's the best we, we can put it that indicates that there really is something to this um one other uh, feature that sort of lends credibility i suppose potentially is also that the fact there was um in the year 2000 there was released um what's known as the condine report um c-o-n-d-i-g-n um, if your viewers are interested in that, it's um, a, a report on UAPs by the Ministry of Defence, completed over the course of about three years at a cost of £50,000. Um, again, by a really respected PhD guy. Um, we know, you know his, his details and so on. He, I phoned him, uh, um, uh, wrote to him, and he never replied and put the phone down on me, which, you know, is fair enough. Um, and uh, he... Um, he concluded that UAPs were essentially uh, buoyant plasmas uh, for the most part. That was his um, conclusion. But again, he he uh, pre sort of uh, was predisposed to saying his, his conclusion was written first and then the report was <laughs> drawn afterwards. Um, so putting the cart before the horse, really. And he his conclusion was that um, DI-55 should get out the UFO game because there was nothing to it. 
um, and then his report was written to justify that. So you know, you, you read into that what you will. But one one aspect, uh, one particular chapter, is on um, Black Project aircraft, and there are several sections of text which are all xed out, and there's uh, one particular image which is absent, and all of these are for uh, under the UK's FOIA, uh, Freedom of Information Act. They're under sections like 24, 26, 27. It's international relations, uh, national security, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've currently got a FOIA request in with the MOD. Uh, the first stage, uh, they denied it. You know, these things, despite being a quarter of a century old, I said, you know, I said, can we, you know, it's, it's almost a quarter of a century. Can we see that picture and see what's <laughs> under that, <laughs> that, that blacking out for that text, please? And they were just like, no, no, our relationship with the Americans is too important and national security, we don't want to uh, ad, uh, advantage our, you know, um, international rivals and so on. Um, so I went, I've got, I've appealed. Um, I don't uh, imagine for a moment uh, that it'll go anywhere um because you know they they hold all the cards really yeah. um but there's something under there and the the the, the document admits the condown report admits that uh, black project aircraft um which have never been acknowledged uh, have been mistaken in uk airspace for ufos um, I, I believe that i believe that there's a lot of cases where uh black project uh aircraft most certainly is mistaken for extraterrestrial craft i mean but i guess the whole problem it comes down to uh i mean that happens there's no question i mean there's most certainly a, a great percentage of ufo sightings i believe probably 90 percent or better right that's where i'm at with it or it could be explained and it could be top secret military craft and the calvine incident could be some yeah. top secret military craft there's no question about it but there is most certainly as far as i'm concerned i mean uh there's most certainly a presence here beyond in addition to all of that stuff uh and i i mean it could turn out i mean i i i i'm i'm with you i think it could be military but it could be electric treasure we just don't have enough i don't think with no. calvine it's a mystery that's really that we we feel like i feel like we're close to getting that something maybe but it just <laughs> seems at the same time it seems far away and that's yes. what it feels. Yeah, a mystery that becomes more mysterious the more you know. <laughs> well, isn't it? Well, there was another mysterious aspect to this too, wasn't? We're getting back to the Kevin Russell situation. Wasn't there somebody named Kevin Russell who's working for the Ministry of Defense on top yeah. of all of this? Well, this again, yeah, exactly as you say. Um, in our research, we we scoured the internet, and um, it's it's surprising what turns up when you. Um, use different search engines in different ways and you know you put stuff in quote marks and stuff like that and you spend enough time typing kevin russell or kev russell or k russell into or russell k into anything any search engines you get different hits um and lo and behold on one of them on linkedin uh there was there's a profile there's no picture um and there's very little detail it's, it's as sparse as it can possibly be um and it states that a kevin russell uh currently works as a photo analyst at um the i think it's the joint fusion center um but that is now that is the renamed jarek so there's a there's a kevin russell is a photo analyst who works at the base where the calvin photos were originally sent for analysis which is 
I mean, what are the odds? What are the odds? Well, this is what makes me, what comes into my mind when you told me that. Like, for I know it's probably not true, but maybe it is, right? But I have yeah. this crazy idea in my head, you know, this conspiracy. All of a sudden, I think, well, maybe he took the picture and then they, they, uh, okay, hey, just keep your mouth shut. We'll give you a job working for us. Exactly. Yeah, that's what you that. think. I know it's probably not true. It sounds yeah. insane, but, you know. No, no, absolutely. We, we, <laughs> we have had that, ex that exact same, same uh, set of thoughts. And, um, <laughs> You're not alone, Jim. Uh, we were just like, yeah, what, what better way to to keep a man quiet than to make his mortgage payments reliant on his on his silence? Um, and uh, yeah, well, this I I messaged. We we looked. Um, we did find like a Kevin Russell um, in the local area to around the base, and um, he found his wife, uh, or you know what we think is his wife. And I messaged him through LinkedIn, and I I said. Um, we're investigating the Calvin UFO sighting. We've got the photograph, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously you think to yourself, you know, this, this guy works for the military. It's not going to say anything, but he replied. Wow. Um, and, and, and the, but, it, but he gave such uh, an odd reply, really. He said, um, uh, let me get this right. Uh, I think, I think the word, the exact words were, I have no recollection of being in Scotland in 1990. <laughs> and that was just you know it was such a sort of a politician's like answers and like you know there's something to this but i'm not really going to tell you you know are you the kevin russell who took this picture no you know that would be that would be the obvious straightforward response but i have no recollection of being in scotland in 1990 and that was just like wow wow that's who knows, who knows? I, mean, really, uh, I, I replied again and uh he, he didn't respond um so we've, we've left him alone you know um we, we don't have anything else to, to go on. Um, some Another person um, through Twitter believes he found the Kevin Russell, um, that he was a, like a liberal Democrat counselor uh, somewhere. Um, and I think his wife had been on uh, a, a TV series in, in Britain whereby people invite uh, you, 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 you and four other people cook for each other um, Monday to Friday. And they, they film it with a, a really sarcastic narrator, uh, sort of mocking everyone who's involved. And uh, the, uh, the 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 day that she cooked, and um, they were all sat around to dinner in this this show. This is the wife um, is missing. That that episode is missing from YouTube or something like that. And this is this gentleman is convinced that something is said or something is shown. Uh, maybe the Calvin prints on the wall, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, and it's it is the clue and. I mean, you know, the, 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 again, this, this, the gentleman who uh, on Twitter who is, uh, is, is himself convinced that uh, that is the Calvin Kevin um, showed me pictures of him, multiple pictures of him. And, you know, he's, you know, he's white, he's the right age, uh, he's got dark hair, he's put a bit of weight on and obviously he's old, much older. Um, it, it could be. It could be. But then if, if you were to go on Facebook and look up Scottish Kevin Russells, <laughs> the number of like white men <laughs> of a certain age with graying, uh, you know, who are a little bit overweight is, is, is numerous. There's loads of them. <laughs> you know, we, we got to the point where we were looking at earlobes. <laughs> we were zooming in on earlobes. <laughs> you know, what does this guy from 1990 at that point? So or, again, with, with a yeah. magnifying glass. Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. this is this is like a match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know it's you. Yeah, <laughs> I like the shape of his nose and stuff, like almost phrenology. Um, 
yeah so we again right if kevin if you're watching this we would love to talk to you we really would um well the the, the reality is this if either of these guys the two guys that were there kevin russell uh or and or somebody else or two other guys who wasn't named kevin russell and you know like we were yeah. talking about earlier there's people out there if they're still alive that they know that we are there are people interested in this but they're not talking if they are alive that's the bottom yeah. line they have to know that this has been in the news over the last year at least yeah. right they have to know the person who took that picture has to be if he's still alive has to be paying attention to this i would be yeah. i know if oh, i was yeah uh, you would you would imagine it would be impossible even if he had uh, moved to say you know scottish people uh, famously go, go to canada the states new zealand australia emigrate all over um even even in you know the the South Island, New Zealand, or the most remotest sort of parts of Australia, you could pick up a newspaper or look online these days, um, and and you know just a and 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 would be hard pressed not to know that this had been happening. Uh, really would. There's one thing I want to point out, though. Okay, now say this person does step forward and say this person tells the same story that that we've been hearing, that we've read in the report and the, from the Ministry of Defense, and that this thing hovered for ten minutes and then just shot up, shot mm -hmm. up silently up into the sky at an incredible rate of speed. And this person comes forward and, and verifies, yeah, that's what happened. I took the picture, and that's what we saw. <laughs> really, after that, then you're still left with the mystery because you're still not going to know. You're going to have, for one thing, you're going to have debunkers saying, well, hey, I don't know if that guy's telling the truth. I mean, yeah. is it really worth it at the same time for somebody to step forward to verify it? Now, two people at the same time might might be better, but you just, I just know how people, I know how the world is. I know how the world of, there's a lot of debunkers out there who, yeah. who out of hand will say, no, I don't believe this guy. Where's yeah. your proof? I mean, I mean, the picture itself is not proof. That, that's as close to the proof we're going to get. The testimony yeah. doesn't seem to work. I mean, to me, testimony, instances like the aerial school incidents where you had like 60 kids saying the same thing, that's, that does, uh, that's in my mind, account. That's, that, that's ironclad uh, evidence as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, you know, you're, they're still going to face flack if they do step forward, unfortunately. I mean, but there's going to be some people who are, I'd be very intrigued. I'd love to hear them, and I, I would... You know, as long as everything checks, I think I would believe them if 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 it all falls into line. Yes, I, I mean we, yeah, I, I totally appreciate that. Everything you've said there is true. Um, my personally, I think my favorite case, despite doing all this work on Calvin, um, I think my favorite case is Westall. Um, Westall, yeah, in Australia, I am just phenomenal uh, case, and um, you know, I've spoken to the investigator there, um, Mr. Ryan, uh, I think it is, and. Um, you know, doing a tremendous job um, in finding all those people. How can all those people <laughs> just like no. you know, close to 200 witnesses be, be you know, dismissed um, just with the sight, you know, you were, you were looking at a, a deflating balloon and that kind of thing. It just seems beyond, no. beyond the pain. Beyond, I mean, actually, there was, there was evidence of that. Uh, there was a, a picture that was taken in that same area by somebody of a, of a, of a saucer it looked like on its side. On its side, uh, yeah. I mean, so yeah. it's not like, I mean, there were so many witnesses. Like, yeah, I've seen that. They, they were talking. They've been in, featured in many documentaries over the last 10 yeah. years or so. That a lot of the school kids, I mean, that, that, that really happened. Those people aren't lying. There was a yeah. school teacher. They, the, the, yeah. A teacher said he was threatened to shut up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so the, these the people end. aren't yeah. making it up. No, no, that's yeah, Shane Ryan, Shane Ryan's documentary. Yes. Um, it's yeah. on YouTube, four parts, I think. It's, um, yeah. yeah, tremendous, tremendous. Um, and you just can't doubt these people when they, 
they're no. so adamant you know person after person after person gives the same uh, kind of story there and yeah but it's a sort of to return to your um point like you say yeah nothing would convince some people um but i don't uh, i don't think we would uh, take that as a reason to give up um i think for no all, no no never uh, give we, up we just we'd still like to find kevin we we are still trying uh, we're hoping to get something um off the ground in terms of a visit to scotland um with a couple of gents who are uh, hoping to do some kind of documentary of their own um fingers crossed that comes to fruition we'll make our way up to scotland we've got records to check we've got uh, doors to knock on um and we'll we'll see what we we can uh, uncover uh, yes. but it's 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 not over for you know it, the one uh, you know unfortunately with a lot of these cases they're, they're so old that all the witnesses are deceased um or you know people's memories as the the age are not what they were when they were younger um but in this case kevin russell you know the only name we have and, and the other person presumably would be of the same age they'd only be in the 50s um so and the, and the thing is is why i mean i'm sure that there's more i mean they're according uh you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be more to the story than just their sighting something must have happened afterward where maybe they're told hey you can't talk about this or something like were they were they threatened i mean that that would be yeah. another interesting aspect to hear to learn i, uh, I, I like yeah yeah i tried to i went basically well as far as you could go to get the name uncovered um i appealed and appealed and appealed to um the sort of a and it's called the ico uh, in britain uh, the information commissioner's office uh, they sort of govern um privacy rights with these kind of documents public documents um and i made a point i said look we've got a, a credible ex-military witness alleging that these people have been intimidated by government employees i said you know that's that's a crime surely um to threaten these people that uh, you know the, the gentleman uh, concerned said uh, david said to him you know why why wouldn't these people at the time have just hawked these photographs if the record weren't going to print them take them to the to somewhere else take them to london and, and get one of the the english tabloids to, to publish it and the, the guy sort of just went well you know it it happened at the time people were just told to uh, go away and shut up and you know if uh, you do something that we don't want you to do you might find yourself in a world of trouble and you know obviously if they they did have pictures of these people uh poaching and that kind of thing you know you could make a, a conviction for that stick and do you want that and so on and so forth or is it easier to just sort of um bite your tongue and like you've suggested maybe you know take a job or just just go away quietly and, and forget you ever saw this thing um and that that is perhaps what's what's happened um unfortunately um yeah how is the feeling i guess my, my feeling is on this on this cover-up uh on the secrecy i mean i feel like the united states and of course the, the united kingdom they're they're very close allies i believe that they're in on this there, there's a group working within both governments and among on other governments too but i i believe that they are uh the united states is paying attention to the U united kingdom and the united kingdom is and they're all working together i, I think yeah. that they're working together to keep this covered up uh yeah. what wh whatever it is right yes. i mean obviously that this this case we're talking about calvine they're they're covering it up and and, yes. and, oh, I mean, and it's ridiculous yeah i mean after I mean, 30 years i mean you can't you can't talk about a aircraft that you were experimenting with 32 years ago i mean that's yeah, absurd 
we've yeah i mean absolutely the first your first point like you know the five eyes these people yeah. are you know, they've been in it together for decades um you've got around the world around the clock surveillance if you you know you go from alaska to new zealand and <laughs> sort of everywhere in between every time zone um yeah in in terms of the the, the cover-up itself unquestionably it, it's being covered up um the negatives are missing the the the, the images themselves are missing. Um, Craig Lindsay's documents are missing. Um, you know, nobody's talking. Um, and like you say, in, in terms of the the length of time now, um, that it, it seems. I mean, I I've never been in the military, and I think this was one of the points that these people would regularly make. Uh, they, they sort of decry. Well, what do you know? Um, and it's, it's fair enough. That's that that does stick. I suppose you you, you don't know. But when you look at, say, the length of time that um, the Enigma secret was kept for, and uh, it was less than this, um, yeah. that, that one World War II, um, the, you know, the, the cracking of the German codes, and you sort of think, well, what, what harm would there be in, in review? This, this craft, whatever it was, assuming it was man-made, would have, say, maybe taken 10 years to conceive and uh, prototype and develop and perfect. And... Uh, that would put it, you know, effectively being sort of forty-three-year-old technology. Yeah. Um, what can you? One can't if that if it's real and was hovering and silent and vertical takeoff and all the rest of it in nineteen ninety. Lord knows what you know the United States must be fielding right now. And it's like, why would you? Why would you still need to keep it contained? But like you know, sort of we've we've intimated if if there are uh, sources behind this technology that they just never will wish to acknowledge, then you could see why the secret must be maintained at all costs or whether well, the fact is, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and I think that when you look at this, the, 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 I mean, just to put it into perspective in 1990, we were all watching CRT TVs. Nobody had the internet. There was no cell phones. There was yeah. nothing, nothing like we got now. So I, I can't imagine this antiquated, if this was technology that they were experimenting with 32 years ago, that's, it's way antiquated by this point. Right. I mean, yeah. it's that, that, that that's because of this is makes me uh, think that it might've been extraterrestrial. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that, that, and that's, that's the war. I, I, I mean, if you're still covering it up for all this, time well why i mean it's 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 junk technology at this point right yeah, i mean that yeah. doesn't count anymore you we, yeah. we didn't have the, the the kind of stuff back then that we got now i i, I remember living in those times 19 yeah. i knew what it was like it was nothing like today <laughs> absolutely yeah i mean yeah like vcrs and and stuff and you know, yeah. like rotary telephones and things you know? yeah the vcr <laughs> tried to rewind it manually sometimes yes, when the tape exactly. got broke. Cassette tapes and, <laughs> and stuff like that yeah and i, I had a it's like a spectrum computer in the 80s and stuff like that which probably would have still been going there you know yeah exactly like you say um it i i, I couldn't agree more with you to be perfectly honest it, it does lend uh sort of a, a sense of credibility to the fact that maybe there is more to it than simply a black project aircraft and and you can understand well that would be classified indefinitely um yeah and and, and if you need if you did need like for example to say to someone like a di-55 guy and you, you know you you couldn't sort of um fob him off with like this you know this is a christmas tree ornament hanging from a tree or this is a reflected rock and uh you would you would have to come up with something you would have to say to him if you were being you know if you were mislead you needed to mislead your own people to keep the secret 
oh, it's a black project aircraft. It's one of ours, you know, sort of don't worry about it. It's uh, it just just go back up, uh, about your day and your duties and uh, and carry on. You know, and these these people uh, do do that. These people do not talk. Like when I, I found the author of the Condine report, um, that guy is not going to say a word until his dying day. Um, you know, and, and you, in, in one sense, it's sort of like it's honourable. They've signed these agreements and, and so on and the other uh, and so forth. In, in another way, it's frustrating um, for people such as myself, who are just, you know, just an ordinary member of the public. But you just think this stuff is so interesting. And like you've said, you know, it, it, how could it be if it were just a black project aircraft? Um, 33 years later, it could not be frontline. You would feel it, it couldn't be frontline. And, and the risks to, you know, are we imagining that we would be telling the Russians or the Chinese something they didn't already know, um, you know, or hadn't already developed themselves 33 years later? Are they, what, are they that far behind the, the Americans in any aspect? It doesn't seem realistic hypersonic missiles radar and you know you name it um these people are you know a, a par you feel when you see things or it's i mean in, in certain articles i've read recently it was it's always been alleged that the russians are ahead in hypersonics and the the chinese are ahead in ai and stuff and that's why they need to um you know pour, pour more money into the defense budget and that kind of thing and you, you never know whether you, you're being sort of misled so that you can just bulk out the defense budget for the sake of it or whatever or whether it is it is true um, but to imagine that, you know, the, the Chinese and the Russians are like, you know, a third of a century behind and this would be an aha moment for them when they, they were to see like the Calvin craft in, in full glorious detail. And go, oh, that's what they were doing. You know, they, maybe we should put the wings there or <laughs> that, it just doesn't seem incredible again. So you, well, although like you and, and other researchers like uh, uh, Dr. David Clark, you, you, you worked together on uh, getting that picture. Um, so you 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 lean toward this being a military project to Calvine, but you know, and you're two years into this. What's your feeling on the overall though? Do you believe that there are there is an extraterrestrial presence here? Do you believe in the uh, that that there is some sort of uh, something happening that people are seeing some beings from another world? I'm I'm personally I'm I'm open to that interpretation. I don't think that can be dismissed. Um, certainly not with. Uh, particular sightings, Westall, um, again, you know, 1966, who on earth was flying uh, discs around in, in 1966? It, it just doesn't seem believable that, uh, you know, human beings were, were doing it. So you have an issue there. Um, you have even earlier sightings, um, Sir Francis Chichester's uh, sightings of a pearl with a tail. Uh, there's a video doing the rounds on, um, on, on YouTube. Um, I think it was like in the 19... Not sure exactly when it was, but it was the early part of the century, well, pre-Roswell, um, seeing this, quote, you know, vehicle, I suppose, whether it was a vehicle, uh, just tailing him on a, a, a trip. He was the first man to cross the Tasman Sea between New Zealand and Australia, and he saw this thing um, there. Um, yeah, it's, it's and then, then obviously the David Grush um, revelations, you know, that for, for sort of people like yourself and, and, and me. Um, there couldn't be anything better than a man to come forward and just go, I was tasked as part of the investigation and I was stonewalled by the uh, the guys who were secretly concealing the bodies and the, the alien craft. And you're just like, well, that's jackpot. <laughs> that could not be better. Um, tell me more, <laughs> you know. Um, so I, I in in a way, it would be, uh, it's it's terrible in, in one sense, I suppose, if it is true. Uh, the fact that, 
it's I can I can I know why they would have done it and stuff military intelligence national security and and not just not knowing and not knowing what, how people would react and and that kind of thing, uh, which is fair enough. But you just think it's such a, a groundbreaking, uh, life changing for everyone. Uh, it would be such a life changing moment for everyone, for that truth if it is the truth, uh, to be acknowledged. I mean to be alive on that day. Um, we are not alone in the universe. There are other intelligent beings out there, and they're also here. You know, wow, that's that's just, you know, <laughs> that's, that's just drop the mic <laughs> on news. So that that is that is the day to remember, isn't it? You know, buy a newspaper and keep it on that day. Um, so are. I I would I would be I, I'm open to that uh, possibility. Um, and uh, if that is the truth, I would I would welcome it to, to be revealed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I welcome it now. I think I understand why the cover-up started in the first place. It makes sense to me in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. I mean, I think at a certain point, though, it was time. I mean, I, I, I know it's complicated. I mean, it's very. I think it's very complicated, more complicated than we could even. I think that the. I think actually, uh, we're we're because the, the it's still being kept secret. It, it actually makes the human race stupid. We, it leaves us in the dark when we should be uh, embracing this, studying it, and looking. At, I mean, everybody needs to be involved. The entire scientific community needs to be involved, and it's not involved because of this cover up. Yeah. I understand that they, whatever it is, even if it's scary as hell, we mm. still everybody still needs to be brought into it. I think we're ready for that. And it's yeah. time to get over this hump. And it's also time to tell us the truth about Calvine, whether it's military or extraterrestrial or whatever. Let's let's hear that. I want to know what I answered to that one already. Yeah. <laughs> here, here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, I want to say, Matthew, I really appreciate your time and, and coming on the show today and, and going over the Calvine UFO incident, among other topics that we went through. I, uh, it was a great interview, and I, I really appreciate it. Thank you very yeah. much. You're very welcome. Thank you ever so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure.